Welcome back to another episode of Double Teamed. This is Cami, and of course Nikki is here, but first I wanted to introduce our friend Natalie, future clinical psychologist. I've known her since good old college station days at Texas A&M, but she's now working on her dissertation for her PhD and graduating next year. Super fun. She's in a monogamous relationship, but she brings an open mind and cool vibes to the table. So we've discussed this a lot with her, you know, polyamory, non-monogamy, and she's going to bring her point of view to it. And we're super excited. So let's get started. First, I want to say thank you for having me here today. Oh, you're um, welcome. I'm like, really excited to do this. All right, guys, this is Nikki here. So the reason I wanted to bring Natalie along is a lot of the times in our discussions with her, we talk about relationships, we talk about the psychology behind our approach to love, sex, relationships, all that fun stuff. And so we always just have the best conversations with her. And I thought we need to record this episode because there's one, you know, that we always talk about that I think it's important to talk about and also just bring more awareness to. Let's dive right in. So in marriage, you know, they don't always end happily. Okay. And a lot of times the divorce rates in the U.S. Um, are related to infidelity and a lack of commitment. Those tend to be the top reasons. I did a little bit of research and divorce rates tend to be between about 39 to 50%. The numbers kind of change depending on what research you do, essentially. There's multiple lists out there explaining what those reasons are, but majority of them come down to lack of commitment and infidelity. So now I'm in a non-monogamous relationship. And I wonder, is that the solution for this? Is that what will lead to happier relationships and marriages? Who knows? I don't know. But right now, it's not. So right now, non-monogamy is not necessarily the solution to this. And there's a lot of reasons behind that. So let's get into those. What's your take on it? Uh, it's very out of my typical uh, scope of things, you know, people are usually talking about wanting their relationship with a single partner to work. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what, you know, we typically talk about in therapy and such. So it's kind of cool to talk about polygamy and how, how it all ties into our society. So, you know, I don't know what would work right now. And I think that's why we're having this conversation because it can really open our minds to potential solutions for the very, very high divorce rates. But, you know, in the United States, there is a religious group who are legally able to practice um, polygamy under their religious rights. And so we know them as Mormons or uh, Latter-day Saints. And so they are protected under the U.S. Constitution in order to claim the religious right to practice polygamy. Mm -hmm. So um, although it is illegal... Uh, and criminalized for LDS, it is not. So I thought that was a really interesting, you know, thing. And I think ultimately it comes down to that there's this belief that if our society changes our monogamous rules, then we'll return to like this like barbaric state, mm -hmm. you know, this um, primal nature. And like ultimately it's the belief that monogamous marriage is the cornerstone of our civilization. It's what makes us civilized. And it's what separates us from animals. Right. And so it's this like really, really deep-rooted belief that our society is built on. So I think it's going to be a hard thing to change. Uh -huh. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. To touch on that, sex is a very primal thing. 
You know, it's it's a physical thing. Animals do it. We do it for the purpose of procreation. But at the end of the day, it is primal. And I think I think people that are non-monogamous a lot of times view sex kind of as that primal urge that they need to satisfy. You know, when you have multiple sexual partners, you either have a high drive. It's, you know, something that's fun and exciting for you. It's a point of exploration, but it is a primal thing. And we're satisfying those urges there. So I can understand how limiting ourselves essentially in that way to a monogamous relationship is how we kind of tame that beast and so to me I can't be tamed (laughs) (laughs) no I can't be tamed either hence why I'm not monogamous but I can see how as humans we would feel this almost psychological need to limit ourselves to show that the beast within us isn't overpowering basically the humans well I think you know to add to that uh, if you think about how our society works, you know, why do we have laws? Why is murder illegal? Why are these things outlawed? And why do we have to behave in a certain way in order to fit into our society? It's to become less like animals. Because if we allowed anything and everything, people would die. Absolutely. People would be on the streets even more so than they are. Um, And we know that socially, we, not we as in us, but as in people, you know, we see homeless people and people without basic necessities as less than, Mm -hmm. as almost animalistic. Mm -hmm. And it's because we have these laws and these rules and these norms that, you know, people think that we're able to function like humans and not like animals. I think that's so deeply ingrained in us. It's tough to like push away from that. It takes a really, really open mind. It does. And um, (laughs) self-confidence. Absolutely. And, you know, that's one thing that uh, Kami and I talk about all the time is, a lot of times the the people in non-monogamous relationships are very open-minded. They're able to kind of break through the norms of society and look past that to see, um, you know, how we can do things differently or, or at least individually break away from it and handle it how we define it. Now, our society in general is set up for monogamous relationships. And as much as, you know, we think that there's a separation of church and state, in my opinion, the reason that society, our laws, our politics is is kind of set up for monogamous relationships is because of religion. So, you know, even though we have the Mormons who do practice polygamy, you know, we do have other religions in this country, you know, the Catholics, evangelicals, Christians who don't recognize polygamy. So if it became a, uh, a topic, you know, where say a president or a candidate or someone came up and was like, we're going to make polygamy legal in the United States. A, that requires changing our tax system, um, you know, the laws that we have in place. But now you're appealing to one religion and not the others who make up the majority of the people in our country. So it becomes a political issue, not only a religious issue, but a political issue. And and that's where those lines of separation in church and state get blurred, yeah, I would say. Absolutely. Well, and, and that's the thing is like we are in America and we have what? Freedom of religion. Mm-hmm. So anyone can practice any religion that they want. However, you're absolutely right. There is not a true separation of church and state because Christianity especially is so heavily practiced in the United States that it influences our political leaders to then make rules and laws and regulations that align with those beliefs, which then can alienate other people. And I mean, for example, some of the 
abortion laws that were just passed in Texas or, mm-hmm. um, you know, LGBTQ plus rights that we're always constantly fighting for. And, you know, even though they're here, it always feels like at any point they could be taken away because of religious beliefs. If we want polygamy to be more widely accepted, uh, we really do have to pull out of that church and state conglomeration. It, no, it's true. <laughs> and, and and that's where I think a lot of that issue comes from. And we touched a little bit on, you know, the tax system being set up for monogamous relationships and then also the LGBTQ rights. So a lot of times when you look at the LGBTQ community, I would say that they are the, I wouldn't say the leaders of the non-monogamous relationships, but a lot of times you find non-monogamous relationships within that group just because they are more open-minded. And so that's kind of where you start seeing the Again, those lines in society form where the LGBTQ community and the more open-minded non-monogamous people are wanting to move forward in a different direction. And then you have the people, you know, because of their religious reasons, kind of giving us that pushback. Now, there's no right or wrong here, in my opinion, in the sense that it doesn't mean that one group is right for wanting to move in this direction and another group is wrong for not. But it's just so deep-rooted in our country that it's hard to imagine how we would necessarily move forward from that. And that's why, you know, it's not seen as a solution. No one's looking at divorce rates and thinking we should make polygamy legal. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like no one's thinking, okay, guys, we got to fix this 50%. That's essentially, you know, half the marriages in the U.S. that end because of infidelity or lack of commitment. No one's saying, you know, let's fuck other people as a solution to this. I think it's important to say um, just a couple of things. You know, it's not just the United States right. that um, polygamy is not practiced and criminalized. I mean, most of the world have the same practices as well, you know, um, with the exception of some African countries that mm-hmm. you know, we spoke about. And I think that it's it's this fear that people have. And, and when you have fear, then it, it makes it harder to become open-minded. Right. And I also want to touch on, there is this belief with the LGBTQ plus population that they all practice polygamy. And I Mm -hmm. think it's important to, you know, not put that on them because I think that would just put more stigma um, against LGBTQ plus. Right. Um, But of course they are the forefront. They are pushing towards progressiveness and pushing for love for all. And Mm -hmm. so um, I do think that there could be a movement through that, but I don't want to say that most or all practice polygamy. So I just want to, Um, No, you're absolutely right. And I totally agree with that statement because plenty of people within that community are, you know, monogamous Mm -hmm. and that's totally okay. Their stigma against polygamy and polyamory and then their stigma, you know, against the LGBTQ community because of all the multiple reasons. So to group them together is is not necessarily a fair statement, but a lot of times you just find that they're the ones at the forefront of it. Exactly. And to touch on what you had mentioned, I did a little bit of research in, you know, kind of all the different countries and areas that allow or, you know, decriminalize polygamy. So uh, a lot of them tend to be in Africa and Asia and and some Middle Eastern cultures as well. Australia, interestingly enough, will recognize polygamous marriages if they were performed elsewhere, but it's not necessarily legal there. They'll recognize it. Yeah, it's decriminalized. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. So way to go, Australia. One of the things that I find interesting is that a lot of times it's centered around a man having multiple wives. Yep. It's not necessarily 
women having multiple husbands. And this is where you open up a whole new can of worms, in my opinion, about the sexism attached to it. Yep. Yeah. So even if we look at, you know, we see Mormon or LDS as progressive and they're practicing polygamy, it's only when the man has multiple wives. And so it's not widely accepted or even widely heard of. You know, of course, there are some exceptions, but for polyamory to be practiced and mm-hmm. accepted. So there, this is this big root of, of sexism and this patriarchal sense of what a man can do versus what a woman can't do. And I think it's important to talk about like how the women's movement also influences this, right? So we have some sociocultural factors that impact whether or not we would even be able to introduce polygamy. So one, we'd have to get out of the sense that it's just a man and multiple women. It'd be a woman, a woman and multiple men. It could be non-binary. I mean, you get all of the multifaceted people that we have in this country and in this world to be able to participate. So there have to be a lot of legalization, right? But then there's a lot of fears against surrounding it. And when people are scared, people don't like to move. So there's fears that maybe the marriages are coerced. Mm-hmm. Maybe the women or the men in it are being forced to be in these marriages. Or maybe mm-hmm. they're being sexually assaulted or other forms of abuse. Mm-hmm. And then we have to wonder, like, does it affect children? Like, there's so many other factors that come in. So when we're considering the solutions to, you know, divorce and the possibility of polygamy, we have to think about, okay, what are some of the fears that people are going to have? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, you know, it can work. Yeah. And you have, you have experience that it can work and you have friends and partners who understand how it works. But when you have people who are scared of it, that's not necessarily going to be their idea of it. They're going to throw all these fears at you. Mm-hmm. You have to be able, if you were a politician introducing this topic, you'd have to be able to soften and calm their fears first. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So one of those fears I think is because we have a hard time accepting it now even, is celebrating women's sexuality. Mm -hmm. So now you have women that are able to have multiple husbands, and now we're, you know, stepping into this deep-rooted sexism that we've had in a lot of, not just, you know, our culture, but just around the world, because it does exist. I mean, let's not, yeah, (laughs) we're not going to sit here and be like, you know what, women have completely broken past this, you know, sexism that... No, we haven't, okay? So now you're talking about letting a woman legally have multiple husbands. I think men would fear it. Oh, absolutely. Now you're giving them, now we have more power. We already hold, in my opinion, women hold sexual power. Oh, yeah. Because guess what? You know, we decide who we open our legs for at the end of the day. Absolutely. And men, that's why I always say, Women, you know, they make dick appointments, right? (laughs) Men can make coochie consultations. Mm -hmm. So, because at the end of the day, (laughs) it's true. At the end of the day, women decide who we sleep with. It's not the man, unless he forcefully does it, which is not accepted and illegal. But women have that power. Women have that sexual power. Now you're giving them the legal power to have multiple husbands. And I think that's where a lot of men have fears in regard to a lot of traditional men, I should say, you know, politicians or or anyone who who would look at this progressively. Maybe that's why now we're giving women more power in the sense that now they can have multiple husbands. That's my take on it. I just want to see a female candidate with her three (laughs) husbands behind her giving some bomb ass speech. Like 
we're going to legalize this. And then everybody just like, yeah, you know? Uh, I just don't think everyone would go, yeah. I think you'd have more people like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I And you know, it's this funny topic I hear on, on TikTok and different social media is this like idea of an all women's gym. Mm-hmm. And men lose their shit. <laughs> because God forbid women have a place that they feel safe. Yeah. Right? Right. And this like reverse sexism and like, mm-hmm. no, women can't have a gym for themselves. Like, and if they did, I would go and I'd stand outside and I'd watch you through the window and still make you feel uncomfortable. Like, dude, do you get why we're doing this? Yeah. And I think <laughs> that's the same idea. Like if Mm-hmm. If we were like, hey, men, you can have multiple wives, they'd be like, yeah. But then the moment you're like, also women, you can have multiple husbands. It's like, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, fuck no. I'm not doing that, right? So I, I think you're absolutely right of this patriarchal belief that men can do it, but women cannot. And then if men do it, it's like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, you have multiple you have mm-hmm. multiple wives, you have multiple chicks you smash daily. Yeah. Amazing. What a king. But you have multiple husbands? Oof. Whore. You slut. You slut. Yeah, exactly. So then we get into slut shaming. Mm-hmm. And so, I, again, there would have to be a lot of work to be done. Uh, and I do think, you know, I, and I'm not saying by any means that y'all are saying this is a major issue or something that needs to be introduced right away. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm saying let's start talking about it. Yeah, but, exactly. But we, we don't need the next candidate to be like on the podium up there. Yeah, we do. Like, yeah, we do. <laughs> don't limit it. Yeah, we do. It's like four years. A lot can happen. <laughs> well, we, but we would need to make other steps. But I think it's definitely somewhere where our brains are going and people are thinking about it, especially mm-hmm. when we become more. When women are able to become more sexual beings, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's allowed. Yeah. So um, I also would like to talk. You kind of touched on it earlier. This tax, you know, these socioeconomic features. Yes. Right. So in our current tax system, you can be married, and it's for two people. So what would happen if we now allowed polygamy? And now our tax system—it's not just married between two people. Now we're talking about multiple people in a marriage changing the tax code to allow for that. And now it becomes a economic issue. What do you think? Yeah. So that is somewhere where my brain goes, this is where the actual issue is, right? It's not everything comes down to money Mm -hmm. and how money, how people can make money, how people can keep money and how people can grow that money, right? So let's say, for example, I am in a monogamous relationship with my husband and we have two incomes, right? Mm -hmm. Not much political power. We can't really influence anything. You know, we make probably $150 a year together, um, middle to upper class, and we are just making our ends meet and doing the thing, right? But mm-hmm. let's say you, for example, you have three husbands and they are all tech. They all work, <laughs> they all work in tech and they are making bukus of money. And mm-hmm. so now you have not just an income yourself because you're a bad bitch and you make your own money, right? but you have four incomes and that's recognized by the government. And so now... You have power, right? Because money equals power, right? Mm -hmm. So now if you wanted to donate to a campaign fundraiser or you wanted to lobby for a particular candidate, you now hold power. But me over here in my monogamous relationship, 
with my values in a different place. Um, <laughs> right, that's why. Thank you. Um, but for this, for this example, I'm mad now mm-hmm. because now you have so much money. And if it was the way that it used to be, the right way, then you wouldn't have that power and you could only have two incomes and that would be it. And I would have my two incomes and that would be it. So Mm -hmm. I think it goes into this whole other, other dynamic of who's going to get the most money and who is going to be able to use that money. Um, Now, just because I don't believe in a a polygamous relationships means I don't get more money. Mm -hmm. That's not fair. Right. Of course. You can solve that by getting into a polygamous relationship. Right, but then you're changing your values. No, I think you're absolutely right because, well, okay, I've talked about this in a previous episode. In my three husbands, I would probably have, you know, a variety of walks of life. Yes. Okay, I I mentioned a plumber once because, you know what? It's nice to have a handyman, okay? But I like this idea of three tech dudes, okay? And I am a bad bitch. I make my own money, okay? Mm -hmm. Like you said, but... Yeah, I land three awesome tech dudes, and now we have all this money. And now we would have to essentially change our tax code to okay, not you're not married finally jointly between two people, but now four people. Now I'm a woman with power because it's my little harem, okay? And that's another thing I want to bring up too. The word harem. Every time I tell a guy, I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to build my little harem here. They're like, mm-hmm. Excuse me, I think you mean reverse harem. Uh, no, dude, I think that's a sexist word. Okay, it should be a harem in regard to anyone who wants to have multiple relationships or multiple husbands, wives. And that's another thing too. I'm bi. What if I want to have three husbands and two wives? I, I can pull that, okay? Because I am a bad bitch. But <laughs> and now again, but no, what I'm saying there is now I'm the woman with power. Mm -hmm. And so not only is it an economic issue of power, but now it's also ties right back into that deep rooted sexism where a woman can have multiple husbands. She can hold that power with these men. Okay. It is, it is a unit. It's not as if these men are just like, you know, dragging along, but she's got this like bomb coochie that they all love. (laughs) Okay. And now they like, they're all in this relationship together. The dudes all get along, but at the end of the day, you know, it's centered on this woman and she has the power. So it ties when we're discussing this as a as an issue of why it's not necessarily allowed or you know why people may look at it and think it's weird. There's just so many faucets here. Like I, I think it's amazing necessarily in the sense that yeah, we would have to break through a lot of this to get to the point where it would be accepted or it would be legal. But I don't know. The way that it all comes together in under this, like you said earlier, not necessarily an issue, mm-hmm. but you know, something that as it's becoming more normal. These are the things that people are going to be talking about. Absolutely. Well, well, think about it. I mean, no one thought that, you know, gay marriage would be legal. Right. And in 2015, it became legal. Exactly. Uh, federally. Yeah. You know? So I think that we're making these steps towards this progressive life and with technology and everyone moving forward, I think it's possible. And maybe not now, maybe not in the next five years, but hey, 10, 15, I think in our lifetime, we could see it. Right. We would just definitely need to talk about it more openly and that goes into education and teaching our kids about sex and you know which I don't think we're doing enough (laughs) we're not we would just need to be like way way more open about that and another social piece that I thought about um, you know while you were talking about the sexism imagine the shit that your husbands would get 
Oh, <gasps> I hadn't even thought of that. Mm-hmm. They would call him a cuck, all of them. They would call him a cuck. They would be like, oh, you let this woman run all over you. I mean, just imagine the, the social pressures and stigmas that they would have to go through in order just to live their lifestyle, to do the thing that they want to do. Absolutely. You're yeah. absolutely right. And that I had never thought of that. People. That right. can be, I mean, difficult to go through life, like saying like, oh, my bros, my friends think I'm a cuck mm-hmm. or like, you know, no, you have to deal with that. And you know what? That reminds me of when you were talking earlier about the fears, you know, when people look at polygamous relationships now and it is centered around that man with multiple wives. And you said it brings in that fear of, oh, are those wives coerced into it? Oh, are these women, you know, they look down on the women almost in these polygamous relationships because they don't believe that these women are happy Mm -hmm. in polygamous relationships. They don't look at the women in those and think like, oh, they're strong, empowered women who all happen to love this dude and they're all in this agreement and everyone's happy. Mm -hmm. No, they don't look at the women that way. They, they think they have those fears. Again, they're in this because they need it for the money or they're in this because the guy coerced them or whatever that may be. Women already in these polygamous relationships that are accepted or, you know, happening right now are, are looked down upon. So yeah, you're absolutely right. If it was a man, oh my God. And there are dudes I think that would be willing to, to enter this. Um, oh yeah. Well, it's, I feel like a lot of people can never look at or see that. It is possible to have, you know, one woman with more than one man who are all happy together. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's like that, you know, oh, what about the men? Are they jealous of each other? Like, you know. Are they territorial? Yeah. Exactly. So I, I had never thought of that. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Yeah. So, and, and that, and that what's going to make make men scared even if it's something that they want to do yeah there's so many guys who probably would dress more feminine and like do the things that they like if there weren't societal pressures saying oh you're gay if you do this you're Mm -hmm. you know i I was at santa monica yesterday and you know me and my boyfriend were walking our dog and some guy goes can i pet your dog no homo what and i'm like (laughs) what since when did petting a dog become gay like what the hell oh my god and we were like yeah, but you don't need to say no homo. And he was like, oh, like his friends were around. I mean, he was a kid. He was like a teenager. And he was just trying to like be cool for his friends. But I'm like, what does that even mean? Like <clears throat> petting a dog is gay? <laughs> right. I don't know. I, I don't mean to go off topic. But it's these these fears that I think even if you were to say get it legalized, maybe you'd have trouble finding men willing to mm-hmm. to risk that societal mm-hmm. uh, pressures that reminded me of is I saw this TikTok the other day where the guy was like, I paint my nails and I'm straight. Yeah. I saw that Come same TikTok. Me. I saw that Come same TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> He's so right. It's like, why, you know, everything that we turn feminine, it's like, oh no, guys can't go near it. Emotions? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and emotion. Oh, this could open a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It really is, though. That could be, oh, I was going to say, that opens up a whole new can of worms. But absolutely, you know, emotions are seen as feminine. And so, you know, the emotional piece of this would be an absolute nightmare. So that's a whole other topic of conversation. But um, absolutely. I do want to get back to what your original question was. Which, oh, what would need to happen psychologically in order for it to become more accepted? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we kind of touched on jealousy. While I was doing some research before I came on today, I read this quote from a, a journal article. And it said, the absence of jealousy 
is the absence of love. And that's what a lot of people believe. Now, it, that's not true, but that's the fear that people have. So if, if you can allow your partner to be with someone else sexually or romantically, that means you don't really love them. Mm-hmm. And it's rooted in this conditional love. Right. right. And this is how a society, you know, we're trained to mm-hmm. love another person. Well, what can they do for me? And they only can do that for me. Mm-hmm. You even see it in like when you have a wife and a mom and a daughter, mm-hmm. there's always this conversation of like who comes first, mm-hmm. your wife, your mom, or your daughter. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. Right? <laughs> we can love all of them and we can prioritize all of them without one person feeling left out or less than, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that it's jealousy is so, again, deeply ingrained in us because we are not supposed to have high self-esteem. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, absolutely. We're trained not to have high self-esteem. No, with our the media, media yeah. yeah, our media, our teachings, we're supposed to be humble. But if you look at the definition of what humble means, it's very, 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 very bad. Really? Yeah. I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> I don't want to speak because I don't have the exact words in my head, but when you find it, it's like, Wait, that's not what I know humble to be or Mm -hmm. what I know humility to be. Hey, DT fam, you know how important STD testing is and how often we discuss it on our show, which is why I'm super stoked to be working with stdcheck.com. So whether you are with a new partner or you just want to stay on top of your sexual health, maybe you have multiple partners or maybe you went to a sex party and forgot to use a condom, whatever it is, it is super important for you to be maintaining your sexual health and that obviously includes STD testing. So stdcheck.com is the leader in reliable and affordable lab-based STD testing. I've done this many times, so I'm definitely a big fan of this. Basically, you order your test online and then go right to one of their certified labs, get your testing done, no doctor visit is required, and then you do get your results emailed to you in about two days. What I love about stdcheck.com obviously is it offers confidential and convenient STD testing. This is how I typically do my testing, especially when I want to do a full, full panel. So with multiple online payment options, it's super easy to set up and also you just have that peace of mind. If you're looking for a super convenient way to go get tested, head on to stdcheck.com. And right now, stdcheck.com is offering our listeners $10 off your order. So go to doubleteamedfam.com. Of course, we'll have that linked in the episode description. Click on stdcheck and use code DTF to get $10 off your next STI test. That's doubleteamedfam.com. Click on stdcheck and use code DTF to go get tested. And this is just a great way to support our show while you're taking care of your sexual health. So thank you guys. Go get tested. Right. You know, it's supposed to be, you're supposed to be gracious and like own it, but like, don't be too over the top. No, no, no. To really be humble means to like basically put your ass in the ground and just sit there. (laughs) So, okay. And guys, this is coming from my iPhone Safari (laughs) dictionary definitions from Oxford languages. 
Humble as an adjective, having or showing a modest or low esteem of one's own importance. Wow. Two, of low social, administrative, or political rank. That's terrible. And as a verb, lower in dignity or importance. Wow. Yeah. That's terrible. Exactly. So when someone says be humble, you're supposed to like lower myself? Absolutely not. But we think of humble of like, oh, you know, don't be over the top. Right. No, no, no. So that's what our society allows. And it just, it's why we have jealousy. Yeah. It's because we have no self-esteem. Nobody has any self-worth anymore. Absolutely. It's all from external external resources. And this is actually something that I do want to touch on in another episode. But in my relationship, at least, where no jealousy means there's an absence of love. So when I hear of my husband with other women, I don't have jealousy. Now, I have an immense amount of self-love. And it, granted, it's taken me years to get to this point. It's not saying that I don't have insecurities occasionally. It's not saying that I don't have days where I, you know, feel crappy about myself. But I, I know myself and I love myself. And that has given me kind of the ability to enter this open marriage that I have, this open relationship, because I don't feel that jealousy because I have that self-love. It's like when we talked about in one of the other episodes, everyone's bringing something different to the table of non-monogamy. It's a potluck. We're not all bringing guacamole, okay? (laughs) Some of us are bringing chips. Some of us are bringing macaroni salad. Some of us are bringing dessert. You know, I know what I bring to the table. I'm secure in that. I love myself for that. And because of that, when I see someone else bring something different to the table, I'm not jealous of that. Even if it's quote unquote better or more exciting or prettier. Like you said, the media these days teaches us to to basically hate ourselves. Well, I feel like I've broken through all of that. And even if I see thing, you know, people with things that are quote unquote better, I'm not necessarily jealous of that. It does not affect my self-love and my self-worth. But I think that's why it's really hard for people to at least get into the mindset of accepting it on an individual level, mm-hmm. let alone all these, you know, socioeconomic, religious, political power levels. Even on an individual level, you have to break through that for you to even accept or, or start to be open-minded to it. So yeah, for me, at least, I don't see it as jealousy is the absence or no jealousy is the absence of love. I don't get jealous, but I love my husband. I yeah. know that I do. I want a future with him. You know, I'm, I'm married to him because we're building this life together and I still love him, but I do not get jealous when I see him with other women. Yeah. And that's how I progress to it. And, and I think that's because you have this, just because he is with someone else doesn't mean I'm less than. And exactly. there is something that I always think about when I'm feeling low and when I'm feeling down is that like another person's beauty doesn't diminish mine. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a candle in a room and another candle gets lit, it doesn't dim my shine. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> chill. Light the candles, babe. Light yeah. the candle. Like, like, just because that candle's on, it doesn't mean that I shine any less. Right. We can shine together. Yeah. And I think that is so important. I think that's the root of like true feminism and like women empowerment is that like we can all shine bright together mm-hmm. and, and one person doesn't take away from another. Exactly. Um, and I think, you know, learning that and teaching our kids that too is really important, especially, you know, our, our girls, as we all know, we're raised to see each other's competition. Mm-hmm. And if we could see each other as something that we aspire to we want to build up we want Mm -hmm. to build each other up so that we're all more powerful together i think that's the best thing um because if all of our candles are lit we light up an entire room (laughs) 
<laughs> and then we wouldn't have high divorce rates. <laughs> oh, we can get rid of the men. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> wouldn't that be? Well, we um, still need their dicks. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, so I, I did want to talk about this. Uh, idea of, of a potluck. I really, really like that. I It reminded me of a TikTok that I saw not too long ago. And it was like, it wasn't talking about polygamy, but I think it fits. So, you know, when we go to the hairdresser, we don't ask that person to do our toes. When we go to our mechanic, we're not like, hey, can you do my toes? Like, yeah, exactly. Can you do my hair? Like, yeah. No, we have a person for every single thing that we need to get done because Different people have different expertise. They have mm-hmm. different, they bring different things to the table. And so we can't expect one person to feel all of the roles, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to be everything for us at all times. Right. Now, in the TikTok, she was talking about having friends and families and relationships that can fulfill each one of those right. things. But I, I don't see why it also couldn't fit to this idea of a polygamy, polygamous relationship. Now, not everything has to be sexual. Right. Absolutely. There could be, you know, your husband could have a a best friend who he shares all of his intimate details with, or he goes on dates with her because that's what they like to do together. Like there, there are other ways too that people can be in relationships. Absolutely. And I think, you know, this is kind of getting into another topic, but I think also we, we don't see male and female like just friendships mm-hmm. because there's this like idea of men and women can't be friends unless they're having sex. True. Yep. Right? Absolutely. You can't be friends with a woman unless you're attracted to her. You can't be friends with a man unless you're attracted to him. When mm-hmm. it's like they're human and mm-hmm. they can bring something else to the table. And so I love that. The description of a potluck. Like I think that was great. Yeah. <laughs> I came up with that. Yeah. Cammy, I, I, I yeah. personally take... The credit for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I agree. And so, and that's kind of how I look at my relationship. So for example, my husband travels two weeks of every month for work and we have a great relationship in the sense that like he satisfies so many of my emotional needs. We have such a great friendship that we've established over the year that like, I, I just feel, um, you know, he's, he's my rock a lot of times. And and when I need comfort, when I need someone uh, that's going to be there for me, he's the person that I turn to. Now we have great sex. I love the sex we have, but you know, there are definitely things in the bedroom that I like that he doesn't necessarily like, or that he's not necessarily comfortable doing because it's just not his style. Mm-hmm. That's totally okay. He doesn't want to hit me. And, um, I like being hit <laughs> in bed, but I'm saying there is now with some of the men that I have sexual relationships with, they do satisfy that sexual, you know, desire that I have this, this kind of like, you know, primal aggressive sex that I enjoy. So they're each bringing things to the table and they're satisfying my needs in different ways. And those relationships I build and and cherish how I individually with each of them. And for him, at least he's able to understand that. And he's able to not be jealous of that which I think is, you know, kind of goes back to a lot of those psychological things we were talking about is he doesn't see it as something that diminishes his worth just because he can't bring that to the table for me. And I think that is kind of the root of non-monogamy is you have these people or multiple people satisfying a breadth of needs, not just sexual, like you said, but, you know, could be emotional, mental, uh, intellectual, physical, anything. So 
Yeah, I mean, I guess kind of to tie it all in the way as we've kind of progressed through this whole conversation, which I love because for me like this, I nerd about this so much because I just find it so interesting. But this is kind of how I put it all together. Okay. Individually, you have to work through the inner portions of thinking of non-monogamy as not weird or as something to fear because of emotional, you know, ties, things like that. And so, but, and if you're able to break past that, like I have, for example, if you're able to work through um, seeing it as something that can work, something that can still give you a happy and fulfilling relationship with multiple people, now you have to work through all the socioeconomic, religious, political, uh, legal issues in regards to all of it. So to progress through all of that, yeah, I mean, it could take quite a bit of time. Yeah. But I think I think it's doable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just you know, reiterating what you're saying is it does have to start within. It, and yes. I think that teaching our our children not to to seek external validation for self-esteem is really important, not just for these reasons, but for like just success in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we seek validation out and I think that we teach our children to seek validation out. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our parenting is that way too. It's all about kind of control and that's a whole different conversation. But mm-hmm. I think that if we can teach like, Hey, you know, you're worthy just because you're you. Right. Just because you exist, you are valuable and, and you deserve everything. You know, I think that if, if we can really, really ingrain that belief and those thoughts into our children, then yes, they're going to be more likely to engage and indulge in all the things that make them happy while also still being a productive citizen uh, contributing to society and contributing to the Dow and doing all the capitalistic shit that we want our kids to do as right, well. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> I think that it's just, it's crucial and it's important. And that's, you know, where it starts like, yeah, I'm not thinking about my kids in the future someday. I'm like, Oh yeah, I hope they're polygamous. Like <laughs> that's not what, that's not my aim. That's not my goal. But like, I want to build them up to have that confidence that if for some reason they wanted to be, they could do that without having those insecurities and those fears and that jealousy and not having to go through these tough life heartbreaks in order to to develop that. You know, mm-hmm. not saying that that's how you developed it, but like speaking from personal experience, like I've had to go through a lot to have the self-love and mm-hmm. to to gain that. I had to go through heartbreaks and I had to go through all of these things to finally say, like, you know what, I'm worthy, I'm valuable, like I deserve everything, mm-hmm. you know. So. so we have to change our educational system too. <laughs> There's just way too much to do. A lot of work to be done. Yeah, definitely. But you're absolutely right. It all starts from within. The way I see it, if it all starts from within and, and we're all able to achieve a level of higher self-love, a level of self-confidence and of self-value that allows us to break through all of these, if more people are able to do that, then we will have a more open-minded society more and open. lower divorce rates yes <laughs> well no a more open-minded society or an open-minded society that can look at this not necessarily as a solution but okay now we make it more accessible to people so that you know they can practice it if that's how they feel they want to you know move exactly. forward in their lives yeah. yeah like you're not forcing it on anybody i'm not telling you to be a polygamist i'm just saying like yeah if that's something you want to do and that's something you want to engage in 
do it. Right. Like, heck yeah. Exactly. You, know, you should be able to. And, and I think, again, it's it's what we're all working for. It's just a more progressive, like, let people do whatever they want to do. Exactly. You know? Of course, we have things that you can't kill anybody. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And let's not, um, we're not, we're not choosing <laughs> to change any of that. But. Exactly. But, like, ultimately, when it comes down to just human emotions and, and how we use our own bodies, I think... Hey, what does it matter? Like your polygamy doesn't affect me at all. Exactly. You know? I, I'm curious to see what people would think, you know, about it, you know, in regards to the... You broke my pen. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I just... That's a little piece. Relax. Anyways, what I'm saying there is if, if we can break through all of that and have it just as an option, it doesn't have to be the solution for everyone, but if it's an option to the point where, you know, it would be legal, it would be something that's more socially accepted... We wouldn't have so many fears related to it. It became more common. You know, it, it wasn't something that's so out there and weird or whatever. Then it's an option. And yeah, maybe it could lower divorce rates. Maybe it could lead to happier marriages, happier relationships. And because again, you know, it's me and my three tech dudes. Yeah. And we're, all, <laughs> we're all happy in this. Okay. So I really like this. Now I'm going to start looking for some tech guys. That are, they're going to be into <laughs> No, Nicole, you need to move to San Fran for that. Okay. <laughs> uh, start swiping on Bumble up there. Yeah, geographically, you're the wrong location. There's a lot of tech in SoCal. It's more than a cow, but it's yeah, not. you're right. You're right. It's more <laughs> wow, I yeah. just to me this whole conversation has been so exciting. It's so interesting to me. It all ties together. Yeah, in my opinion, all ties together. Yeah. And I'm just I'm glad that we can have these conversations. And hopefully, you know, people listening to or have thoughts and insights, and it just makes them like, oh, hmm, I never thought about that. Maybe that's something I'm into, and then explore it. And, yeah, you know. Obviously, it's illegal to be married to multiple people, but this doesn't mean you can't still practice. Yeah, um, you just can't practice it, I guess, in a legal sense. You can't. Yeah. I can't have. I can't go marry my three tech dudes right exactly, now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I, you know, I have my marriage with my husband, and I still have my relationships outside of it. But you know, that's kind of where it ends. Yeah. Right now. Right. Now. Maybe that could change. <laughs> <laughs> in four years. In four years, and I'll be the bad bitch with all this power. Yeah. It's all, it's all we want. <laughs> bad bitches with power. <laughs> yeah, the to- men really want that. Oh, yeah. I'm totally on board with all of that. I do think it could be more generational, too. You know, I think in, in previous generations, because of the laws that we had in place and, and just the, the norms, at least in America, you know, it just wasn't, a I guess, a topic. And not that it's, you know, I'm just saying it's becoming more common now in millennials a lot of the relationships that I've seen here in LA have been, you know, millennials that practice uh, some form of non-monogamy. Now, Gen Z, they're a little younger. They're starting to enter it. But, you know, seeing more millennials practicing non-monogamy, I think Gen Z, especially being as forward as they are, as progressive as they are in other ways, such as, you know, like we were talking about LGBTQ and, um, you know, championing women's sexuality, things like that. They're more open-minded to it. So I do think it could be just also just a shift that we see from generations as they become more open to this. Now they're seeing it as something that's not as weird as taboo. And then it becomes more common. And even, you know, for example, right here, this conversation, this podcast, the more you talk about it, the more people can start to understand it lessen those fears that they have attached to it Mm -hmm. and so then it's something that more people start to accept yeah absolutely and i think too because we've kind of i mean it's not gone away completely but we kind of have as like um, a generation and gen z have 
lessened our slut shaming. Yes. Like, oh, a girl's allowed to go on multiple dates. A girl's allowed to have sex with multiple partners. Mm-hmm. Especially speaking from like a, a women's perspective. You know, I see a lot of a lot of women, especially on TikTok and on Instagram, embracing that and being yeah. like, oh, I had date number one, I'm off to date number two and yep. date number three and just being more open about that yes. and not realizing that like that's a form of it, you know? Yes. And and it's we accept that more. Yeah. And my little sister, she's Gen Z and she's she's so funny because she's like, I don't think I can ever get married because I love having multiple guys. Yes. And I'm like, oh my God, hey, get her girl. on the podcast. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, I love that. And we she's need to like talk to some Gen Zers. Yes. Yeah. And she's she's like she's like, I, yeah, like I just I love, you know, having multiple guys to talk to. Mm-hmm. And you know, my initial, you know, my gut reaction to that is like, oh no, she's insecure and she needs validation from men. Maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe she's just in touch with her own sexuality and mm-hmm. she understands her wants and needs and, and gets that, yes. you know? A sexually liberated woman. Exactly. And so, you know, but even me, I had that first internal that fear. Yes. That fear of like, oh gosh, she's just insecure and she needs validation yes. from men. And that's the thing. We're so programmed to think like that. It wasn't until I took a second to say, like, okay, wait, hold on. What else could it mean? You know? Yeah. And, and, Granted, I challenge myself every single day about what I say and what I think, but I think more people should do that and like say like, oh, hey, what's my real issue with this? Or mm-hmm. what's the real problem with this? Right. So yeah, I do think that Gen Z could, could definitely push forward. They could be the know, next ones on the forefront With these of ideas, yeah. yeah. You probably are able to stop yourself, like you said right there, and be like, oh, wait, let me look at it from a different perspective because you have you know, a psychology background. You know, this is something that you're used to. I love how your mind works in our conversations because I, I see that uh, psychologist in you and, and I relate to that a lot because I've always been so self-reflective, but not a lot of people do that or are able to step away from it and, you know, look at it from a different perspective. And like you said, understand, well, why am I having an issue with this? Instead, they take that first initial reaction and just build on it. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, you know? And yeah. So again, it all comes down to starting from within. And I think with Gen Z and, and and millennials even, you know, just being able to be more open-minded. But in a way, the younger generations are putting self-love first. Yeah. I don't think the baby boomers or the generations before them put self-love first or self-value. And so then it, again, brings up those, you know, issues of jealousy of, you know, even socioeconomic fears. They don't have that power, you know, whereas like with the younger generations, we are starting to put ourselves as individuals first more in our, I guess, kind of how we view ourselves, value ourselves. And then from there, it's making us more open. It all starts from within. Mm -hmm. And that can all tie back to all the things that have been ingrained in us since we were young. Mm -hmm. Uh, That lack of self-confidence. Exactly. So it all ties back in. Absolutely. And that, and so, yeah, fixing those issues from within is going to make you more open-minded. It's going to allow you to have, you know, those better relationships and you're going to understand your needs and, you know, being able to seek those needs from multiple people in a way that's accepted either for a man or a woman Mm -hmm. and now you're going to be happier and now as a society we will be happier yep wow i agree this is not mind-blowing here it is full circle (laughs) it's so mind-blowing i absolutely love it i wonder what other people will think of it you know they may listen to this and be like wow these these girls are nuts (laughs) (laughs) like they they've got some serious yeah they need jesus (laughs) no we don't But if you do need Jesus, that's totally fine. Okay, I need mimosa and dinner. (laughs) But um, 
Natalie, I just want to say thank you for your perspective on this. Of course. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Like I said before, I love the way that we are able to have conversations, you know, and especially you. You always kind of bring that psychological background to it that I just love and crave and just am able to feed off of. And you and I are very similar, I think, in some ways of of how we view like ourselves and our self-value and and I love that. I'm going to so. take credit for that. I used the both of you. So <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, no, just thank you for, yeah. for bringing this perspective to this. Yeah. For having this conversation with us. Yeah. I'm excited. You know, I'm excited to see how this builds and, and where this goes. I think you guys have very, very unique experiences. <laughs> and um, I think that people want to hear about them. Yeah. I want to hear about them. So keep going, man. Yeah. Good. Great job. Thank, Thank you. you. No, and you know, when I look at this podcast, that's what I want to build. I'm not saying that you have to listen to it because you want to be in an open relationship or because, you know, that's the solution to all your problems or because you need to accept it so that I can go have my three dudes and my, you know, my tech dudes and all my power. No, what I'm saying is I want to create a space where people can just bring an open mind and, and listen in. And even if it's not for them, understand why other people may do this understand why other people look at non-monogamy and accept it in their lives so that it doesn't, you know, it's less taboo and, and you know, you don't have this fear tied to it, you know, Absolutely. like we talked about earlier. So that that's the space I want to create. And, you know, obviously we talk about other things on this podcast in relation to sex and love and just relationships in general, monogamous as well. But all of it, I think, can be beneficial for people in keeping an open mind as they progress through their relationships. So, yeah, that's what I want to do with this. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Natalie, any lasting thoughts? No, um, I I just, again, say thank you. And, you know, if you ever need any more me, (laughs) (laughs) let me know. I'm, you know, I'm open and I love, I love talking about this stuff. I love researching and learning. So, okay. So thank you everybody for tuning in. I hope you got, you know, at least a little bit out of that. Think about what you're teaching your children. Wear condoms. Be safe. Love yourself from within. Remember, you can be that candle in the room, lighting up, shining as bright as you want. And if another candle enters the room, you're still going to be that shining one. So burn that house down. (laughs) Well, okay, maybe don't do that. But yeah, you know, let your light shine and understand that other people will shine alongside you. And that's totally okay. Start from within. Start from within. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.